0: Welcome to Bridge Church, praise God for you being here and braving the cold, praise God. Let's pray together. Father, what a great song that you are the cornerstone and that in you, the weak are made strong. And God, today we come in here with many weaknesses, our frame is frail. and yet in you we have power and power to overcome power to overcome addictions, and power to overcome loneliness, and power to overcome our fears. And so today, God we pray that more than anything else, as we talk about a sensitive area and a sensitive subject, God, would your presence be here? God, would we be so aware that you are moving us and changing us that we could not reject what you're saying? And since you are our father and since you are our creator and you know our very being and you knitted us in the womb. Holy Spirit, would you say what each one of us needs to hear today? And for those that are in need of healing, heal. And for those that are in need of repentance, help them to understand your grace. And for those that are in need of trust, God, help them to know you're faithful. But be here and speak to them, and speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this is always a fun time of the year so that we can talk through some of these subjects, subjects on love and relationships, and we are going to be in this series for the next few weeks, and we're going to talk about a number of things. We're going to talk about dating and attraction. We're going to talk about conflict. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about all those things, and we're going to do them in such a way that you will be more informed about relationships. Now, uh, let me just give by way of background, the reason why I felt Um, the Song of Solomon was appropriate during this time is because I've been doing ministry now for close to 20 years and in that time I've counseled so many different people and in counseling them I have found that a lot of people don't just need to be discipled in relationships a lot of people need a detox a detox of things that they've learned on their own I was counseling a couple one time I actually do uh, when I do counseling with couples I actually do this thing where I get their history their sexual history, the things that they've done. And oftentimes people say, you know, I messed up in the past or, you know, I've kissed some people or all these different things. Well, I actually got a couple one time where the guy had never kissed anybody, he had never been in a relationship, He really didn't have any kind of understanding of sex or sexuality. And so I had to sit him down and explain to him relationship, explain to him what it's like to kiss somebody, explain to him what a a sexual relationship could be like as I was doing their premarital counseling. Unfortunately, I don't get those opportunities very often. Most of the time, I have to sit down and talk people through the shame and the guilt of things that they've done. And I've got to talk with people through some of the hurts that they've gone through. And so for a lot of us, this series will be discipling you and helping you. But for some of you, this will be a detox from things that you've heard, things that you've seen, and things that you possibly have even done. When I was growing up, my parents, they tried their best like other people, tried their best to be able to raise me up in the admonition of the Lord. And for some reason, talking about relationships and sex was very difficult for them. My mom, bless her heart, you know I can remember one time, we were about to go down south. We were about to go down to Mississippi, and uh, I was 14, and being I was 14, I looked a little bit older. And I remember my mom sat me down, and we were gonna have the sex talk. But the crazy thing was is that we did everything but talk about sex. So we we sat down, and my mom was like, "Um, you know, um, you're getting older, baby. And I was like, yeah, she said, and you're about to go down south. I said, yeah, and she says, and people are gonna wanna do things with you. And I said, yeah, yeah. And she said, you don't have to do those things. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And she was like, all right, do you have any questions? And in my head, I'm like, (laughs) what did we talk about? And it's so weird because the world has no problem talking about this subject, at all. So I'm getting into situations every week, and I've got my mom over here, and in my mind it's like a microphone. I got my mom over here like, um, baby, we, and then I got the world like, shake it like a salt, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, (laughs) you know, all up in my brain. I was very informed by the world. No, and I mean that, I mean that seriously in the sense that they, um, it, it's been said that um, musicians are the philosophers of our day, right? So there was a time when Aristotle and Plato were people that you would follow for a way of life, but now musicians and the words they say actually inform people and we hear it so much that we actually start living those things out because some information is better than no information. And so, um, you know, if there are philosophers growing up, if I was in a situation where I saw a girl that looked really good, I learned not to trust her because the philosopher's Belle Biv DeVoe told me, you never trust a big butt and a smile because that girl is poison, okay? You know... Uh, The philosopher, great philosopher Robert Kelly told me if I was ever in a situation and I was feeling bothered emotionally and I wanted to get with a girl and I was struggling whether or not this was right to do, he said, if your mind is telling you no, but your body is telling you yeah, it has. Even if you don't want to hurt nobody. There's something you should confess. I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. You know, I remember, um, (laughs) I remember uh, Method Man. He had a song with Mary J. and, and you know, he said a one-liner in there. He says, "You don't need a ring to be my wife." And I remember, don't act like y'all don't know the song up in here. Y'all like, what? How can that be? I'm extra sanctified in church. But um, so it was crazy because I remember a guy saying that to a girl. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, like, like Method said, you don't need a ring to be my wife. And, I, and even from that time, I remember guys started using the term wifey. And I can remember, I remember that happening. And now it's part of our vernacular so much so that I've heard women be like, you know, I'm wifey, I'm like, you know, that's not a thing. (laughs) Like, that's not a thing. So what we have is we have an uninformed culture just trying things out. Listening to people their age. And the only thing, the only difference on the level of ignorance is just sound. It's just some beats. And it's words put eloquently but still filled with the same level of ignorance. Wouldn't it be good if we had a father sit us down and talk to us and tell us what things to guard against, tell us some wisdom to live by? Wouldn't that be good? And the good thing is that God, one of the primary attributes of God is a father, and that he gives us his word. So. Here we have the book, uh, The Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon is a book, um, it was considered so intense that Hebrew boys weren't able to even read this book till the age of 12 after their bar mitzvah. So it's a book that was intended to tell people about relationships. So if you have your Bible, I I think Song of Solomon is a great place for us to start, all right? Song of Solomon, chapter one. We're gonna see a guy and a girl talk. Today we're going to deal with a little bit of attraction, what you look for. All right? Song of Solomon chapter one. It says, and this is the woman talking, <clears throat> "Let him let his, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant." And your name is oil poured out. Therefore, the virgins love you. It's so interesting. So a lot of this, I'll have to unpack the meaning of it. But once I unpack it, you'll understand it. Understand this. When she first says, let him kiss me with the kisses of your mouth, it's pretty evident what she's saying. I like that guy, and I want to kiss him. He's a good-looking guy. And I really like the way he looks. And so we all get that. Y'all don't need that interpreted. But she says... Oh, your love is better than wine. And then she says, your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. So you have to understand that at that time, taking a bath was not a normative thing because of the amount of water shortages they would have. So for someone's smell, it was normal to have a strong odor to you. Well, at this time, if you took a bath and you put on oils, the scent you would have would be strong. And there's a particular type of oil when she talks about the oil poured out. Um, they would take olives and press the olives down. And then that olive would be able to get um, oil out of it. And the first oil poured out would be the choice oil, the best oil. And what she says is your name is like choice oil. Your name is like a fragrance. You have character. You have character that people know about. When people bring up your name, it's like a scent that comes in the room and it makes everybody feel good. Wow, I'm attracted to the way he looks, but have you known about his name? His name it's the best. You see, everybody's got social BO. Your name makes people do things. Your name makes people feel a certain way. And she's saying his, his name powerful his character is powerful character and reputation are two different things reputation is what you think you know about me you guys know my reputation my wife knows my character she knows about me she knows me inside and out she sees me in my weaknesses she sees me at home and far too often we are attracted to what we think a person is in their reputation but we don't know their real name their character And she's saying, I'm attracted to something more than what he looks like. Proverbs 30 and 31 puts it this way. Listen, charm, charm, put that up in there. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, at that time, it was hard to find a good woman. (laughs) nowadays, I could flip that around. But a part of our problem is that we think charm is to be praised. We think beauty is to be praised. And we think if they fear the Lord, that's a benefit. But not essential. We look at charm and we look at beauty and those things are only skin deep and only in a moment. But character is the long haul. Virtues. I was um, Rich, Emmy, and Felicia. Their father passed um, several weeks ago. I was at the eulogy and I was amazed at how they talked about so many people talked about their dad. So many people just brought up things that he had done. So many people talked about his character. And, and, and a lot of people said, well, if you got to know him, if you just first met him, you wouldn't have liked him. But, but if you got to know him, he was a good man, a loving man. He did so many things. You know, a eulogy really tells the story of a man and how they lived. And so much of us are trying to find, we're swiping right, and we're doing all these things with uh, different apps, and no shade on that. But, but just, I, I want you to encourage you that you have to push past people's profiles. Because the virtue of a profile is not the depth of the virtue of a eulogy when people when you're in a eulogy you see depth of who they are don't just get caught up in the charm of what they look like in the first take could this man read your eulogy could you read his eulogy in his death what kind of character are you looking for you know my wife um, it's it's a a long story praise God but my wife wasn't attracted to me how I don't know But, but my wife my wife, my wife was not attracted to me. She wanted to marry a basketball player, like 6'5", clearly not that. And she had, she had a resume of what she wanted. And then, she, you know, we got to know each other, and she said, I, I want to be with this guy, but he's not 6'5". And he's not going to be 6'5". And she struggled with that. She was like, I thought I knew what I wanted. And a girl sat her down and was like, well, what, what's your, what kind of things are you looking for? And she, they listed it out, and she was like, well, that's everything he is. He just doesn't look the way you thought he would look. And so what ended up happening, she was like, oh, man, maybe God is bringing me you know, together with someone who doesn't fit the physical way that I thought he looked, but his heart is what I was looking at. And I think that we get so caught up in the way that people look on the outside, or we look at the way they dress, or we look at their charm. But charm, charm, charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. But do, do they fear the Lord? You know, we, we have to make sure that we're looking at people that love God, not just like him and add him on. Because if they fear the Lord, and that means that you may have to wait a little longer. Because if they fear the Lord now, they'll fear the Lord in marriage. But if they add God on now, they'll add him on in marriage. What do you want to build your marriage on? Or are you dating to even be married? Is that even in your network of, are you thinking about that? And so what do you want to build your marriage on? What kind of man, what kind of woman are you looking for? And they may not look the way you thought they would look, but who they are. That's what we ought to be attracted to character. Character. That has depth. Why is character so important? Well, it's because we bring bar- baggage into the marriage. I have baggage. You have baggage. All God's people have baggage. We all bring it into a relationship. We have what we call insecurities. Look at this young lady's insecurities. Look here. Chapter 1, verse 5. She says, I am very dark but lovely. I know you thought that was a hair care product, but that's. I think this is where it came from. I'm not sure. I'm very dark but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kadar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark. Because the sun has looked upon me, my mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Let me, hear, let me just explain to you what this young lady is saying. The first thing she says is, I am very dark, but I'm lovely. And she goes on to say, see, the deal is, is that I'm, I'm dark like these tents. I'm dark like these curtains. And the bottom line is that I've been working out in the field, and this is going to be hard for you to imagine, but even at that time, your complexion meant beauty or not in that culture as well. And the darker you were, it meant that you had to work more in the sun, and that meant that you were a lower class. So she's insecure because she's so dark, but you can hear her struggling with her insecurity because she says, I'm dark, but I'm lovely. I'm wrestling with this tension because I don't look acceptable in people's sight, but I know I'm beautiful. And then she says, and then she, it's as if she looks out um, into the, the air and she says, Oh, daughters of Jerusalem, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what it's like to struggle with that? And, and she, and, and this is the crazy thing, she even subtly makes fun of herself because she says, like the tents or like the curtain. She says, and basically she says, I'm so black, I look like this. She, she's, she's, in a lot of ways, she's deeply insecure with who she is and how she looks. But not only does she not look the way she wants to, but she, not, she doesn't have the kind of background she'd like. She says, listen, my mother's sons, notice how she didn't say brothers. Notice that she's not talking about this deep family. She, I don't really have the family I wanted. My mother's sons. My mother's sons were angry with me and they made me, they didn't just have her keep the vineyard, I was the keeper of the vineyard. They gave me a role where they knew I'd have to be out in the field all day. I was in the vineyard all day and my own vineyard I haven't kept, you know what she's saying. I work all day, I'm in the sun all day. And when she talks about her own vineyard, she's talking about her body and the way she looks. I'm constantly working, I'm struggling out here, I'm dark but lovely. And who would be attracted to me? I can't even keep my own vineyard together. I want someone to love me, but I can't, I don't have time. I don't have time to just keep up with all the latest crazes, I'm working here. I don't have, and, no, and one thing that you'll look throughout this entire book, you never hear about her father. So she comes from a broken family. And so she's having to work harder because her family's broken. And what we see is that this woman is allowing him in to her insecurities. Many of you are so beautiful, you're so great, but I know if I press in, there's a broken road you come from. Your story is broken, somewhere. And because you come from a broken road, I pray you don't have to find someone that you have to perform for. This is part of the dating problem. You put on that stuff, it's Valentine's, you get dressed up, and you start a relationship on performance. And they are enchanted to the way you look that night. But can you find someone and can you be with someone that can accept who you really are? And the problem is, we date in the illusion and then we get married and find out reality. And when that happens, that's why marriage only makes it two years. Like, why didn't we make it? Because they didn't ever have the real you. So, why is character important? because your heart's important, because you're someone that should be cherished. And you think I'm only talking to the women, but I know these men in here too. I know we come from a broken road, fellas. I know we're not as strong as we look. I know we have deep insecurities. And so because of that, we need a woman that will speak life And if you want to find out how a woman will be in marriage, look how she treats her friends. Look how she treats her family. Don't think they're going to do something different than they've done with other people. So character is important because your heart's important. And you need someone that's going to be gentle with you when they find out the real you. So she comes from a broken road and so do you. And something amazing happens because this, this woman struggles like, like many of our women struggle. And she says, I'm still going to keep my standard, though. I'm going to keep my standard. I, I want you. I remember, she said, let him kiss me. I, wa- I want you. But notice what she says in verse 7. She says, tell me. Oh, this is y'all going to trip when you find out what this verse means. Tell me, tell me, you whom my soul loves. Where you pasture your flock. Just keep that right there. Tell, tell me where you pasture your flock. Because I don't really know yet. Tell me where you pasture your flock. Where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who fails, veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? Okay, let me just break this down. There were women that were either prostitutes or women that just wanted sex with men. So they would veil themselves and go over to where the men laid their flocks down. So where all the guys were, they would kind of put on a veil that was tight enough to be noticed, and then the men would look at them and want to be with them. But what she says is, where you lay your flock? Because I don't know. I don't go over there. You see, those veiled women, I don't want to be like a veiled woman that goes where all the guys are. And I don't want to have to go to where your flock is. In other words, I don't want to have to put myself in a position to give my body to you before you accept me. I don't want to be like those women. I have a standard that I want to keep. I don't want you to to have to accept my body before you accept who I am. And I have this standard. And she asked the question, why should I do that? Oh, because that's what we do. This is what this is what relationships are about. That's, that's what you know. You gotta check under the hood before you buy the car. You know what I'm saying? Kick the tires. That's what we do. But she says, Well, but why but but why? If you love me, why do you need that? And she's wrestling with that. She's saying, but why? Here's something that it's lost in the culture. It's lost, and I get it, I get it. You know, my wife and I, we, we, we before we got married, I had had, I had had sex, you know, and I struggled with, okay, I met Natasha, I loved her, I wanted to be with her, and I didn't want to mess it up. And I had had Christian relationships where we were like, we love the Lord, we go into to church together, and then we're going, we're having sex after church. So I'm like, okay. And so now I was with Natasha and I'm like, how could I change this? How could I change this? So a buddy of mine was like, you know what? Man, set the boundaries way back, you know, don't kiss. I was like, that's not of God. <laughs> I don't Is that in the Bible? Jesus. <laughs> no thank you. But what he said was, what he said was James your flesh is so strong that you need to put the boundaries way back so that you don't find yourself regretting the relationship you cherish. So I was like, okay, so we didn't, we didn't kiss. Now, I just want to give you just a thought about the flesh. We didn't kiss, but we hugged. <laughs> Boy, we hugged like champions. <laughs> I'm going to just tell you. The flesh does not care. The flesh doesn't care about your commitments. The flesh does not care. The flesh, all the flesh wants is to do what it wants. It wants to do what it feels. And people say stuff like, well, this is what I feel. It's like, where's the verse that says do what you feel? It's like in second hesitations. What you want to do is do. You don't want to do what you feel. You want to inform your feelings. So here's, I'm just going to you just do, with, do this, a couple things. Um, never let intimacy exceed commitment. Never let intimacy exceed commitment. Marriage is the consummation of commitment, therefore it is the consummation of intimacy. Why give all of your heart to someone you're not sure is gonna be there? There are people I know that would, if I say, um, are y'all together? Like, we're kind of together, yeah. I said, well, are you seriously committed? He's like, yeah. Are you having sex? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Would you share a bank account with that person? No. you crazy? I ain't sharing no money with them. I was like, so you understand what you're saying. You would share your body with them, but you won't share your money with them. Now, isn't it crazy what the world tells us to value more? I won't have a joint bank account, but I'll join my body with them. Because you can always take your money out, but you can't take away the consequences of being with that person. Now, uh, now, let me just say, I, I had sex before I, I was with my wife. There's grace. There's tons of grace. But why go down that road? If you've heard these words today, why go down that road? There are so many benefits Part of our challenge is that people say things when they get with someone they care for and they think they're gonna be with them for however long. They always tell me, we're different. I just, no, James, you don't understand. We just feel and we just, you don't understand. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm gonna drop a megaton wisdom bomb on you right now. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, great, great crowd response. If you want something different, like if you want what everyone has, then do what everyone does. But if you want something different, watch this, you have to do different things. And that's not even deep. That's not deep. If you want what everybody has, do what everybody does. But if you want something different, then you have to do different things. And, and this is what happens. People sit down and they go, man, my relationship is different. I'm like, but you're doing what everybody else does. And you'll probably get what everybody else has. And the amount of people who are either still married after five years or happily married is in a significant myor- Minority. If you're not doing what other people are doing differently, then you're going to end up with the same results. So why not have a standard? Why not build the foundation of your marriage on a good father, on someone who's telling you good words, good words, good truth? One of the things that, um, so when I tell people that my wife and I didn't kiss, they act like we're aliens from outer space, (laughs) and so I accept that. But then they're like, what was that like? And I was like, well, we just built a friendship. And we talked more, and we related more, and we connected more. And what ended up happening was, we started to do in dating what you do all the time in marriage. Because marriage is about a friendship. Because if you, part of, I mean, I, I know some kids are in here, but I just wanna say this. Part of our problem is that we've been so informed by music and porn and all these other things, and we're with them, you know, we're with our mate every now and then, and it's, we're all into them, and, oh, it's just amazing. Then you get married, and you're like, where is that? And it's, it's not there. <laughs> it's work. And what, was, what you did in the flesh in dating, you now have to do in the spirit in marriage. It's work now because you don't want to do it because you're tired (laughs) and you won't do it and you don't like them and this is for another this is for another sermon but part of the challenge is that people don't understand that true intimacy is built outside the bedroom and then all the and then the bedroom is just one aspect of the relationship. It is one aspect of the relationship, and it's so sad because you tell people in their day, and they're like, mm-hmm, well, we wanna try it, and we, we wanna figure it out, and then they get married, and they're like, yo, I shoulda listened. And so boundaries will be your blessing if you create boundaries. Well, <clears throat> this, uh, this guy and this girl, they have these boundaries, and she's blessed, she's been blessed by them, and, um, In chapter 1, verse 9, he says, I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. He goes on, I don't know if we have it up there, in verse 13, um, he says, Behold, you are my beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful, your eyes are, are doves. And he goes on and on and on, and he's just encouraging her. And I can't go deep into this, but, um, and I'm going to deal with this later, but what they have now in their relationship is this culture of encouragement. They're blessing one another. And she's blessed by what he has to say to her, and she is get, she's blessing him. And they're just speaking life into each other because they're they're getting their insecurities dealt with by the Lord, and they come into the relationship, and they serve each other in the relationship. They're not trying to get served by this person and then just add God on top. God is blessing them and loving them, and the love of God is pouring out to someone else. Part of it is that we're sapping love from someone that can't give us enough, who is limited, and we look like two ticks on the same dog just trying to, to sap everything out of one entity and we, we can't do it. There, there has to come a point where we realize that God is the only person that completes me, God has to be my source of my strength, and when we sing songs like Cornerstone, that can't be cool anthems on Sunday, those have to be the proclamation of my heart, and so when I come into a relationship, I'm coming to bless somebody, not just be blessed by them. Because true, lasting relationship is about service. It is not just about attraction. It is about service. And far too often people, they get into a relationship because they want to be served. But when I bring two people up front and I preach, all I can tell them is marriage is just like Jesus said, I did not come to be served but to serve, and to give my life. And that's what a lasting relationship is, two people that are giving themselves, and are serving and not being served. And so he's he's speaking into this woman's life. They're speaking into each other's life, and what happens in the end? Chapter two, verse one, you know what she says? I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. You remember Remember chapter one? I'm dark but lovely. What's she saying? I'm a rose. Oh, I feel so good about myself. Why? Because I've got this man speaking into my life. No, no, no. He loves me. We, we spend time. We talk. And he's in his word. And he's praying. And he blesses my life. And, and I'm not just around. And, and he makes me feel bad after I'm with him. I feel built up. I'm a rose. Oh, I feel so good. And she says something powerful. She says in verse 3, as an, apple tree among the, uh, among, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. Oh, he's like an apple tree amongst trees. With great delight I sit in his shadow, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let's share with you some few last things before we go. When she says that, she says, I want... You to know, ladies, this guy is special. He makes me feel special. But when you look at this, it's like he's a tree, and there's fruit coming from his life. And I've eaten it, and it's sweet. He's a great person. But she says something else. I sat in his shadow, and she's imagining this man to be like a tree, and she's just sitting back in his shade. Remember when she was talking about the sun scorching her and now she's shaded. She's now being shaded by this man. If I could just give a final word and thought. Whenever uh, I did, uh, I did a, a relationship talk over at LIU and I brought up gender roles and you know the ninja stars came out, what the, you know, all this is, I ain't submitting no man and this is crazy. This is Whew, so it was a struggle, but, um, okay, let's not use that term gender roles. I, I find it interesting that this is something that people are are upset about because I think women feel, oh, I, I can't, I'm not going to be subservient to a man and all these other things. And Okay, but here's a thought. If at night, at 2 o'clock in the morning, someone just bust into your house and they've got a gun and they're looking around and y'all are in bed and you get up in the middle of the night and y'all look at each other and you look at him and you go, what are we gonna do? The last thing you want him to say is, I don't know, what are we gonna do? <laughs> oh, you want a leader then, don't you? Okay then. So some, at some point, we do think there's some roles. All right then, so this is all I'm saying. the roles, the roles, I I just want to leave men with three thoughts. Men, I think we have it up there on the screen. Men are created to be a protector, provider and priest. And the, the, the line that goes throughout all these is initiation. Initiation. If, if my wife was an MMA fighter, and somebody was coming down the street and they wanted to do something to her, even if she fought better than me, I'm gonna initiate and get in front and say, you know what, me first. You're gonna to have to take me first because I get out in front of her. I'm a protector. A provider, there was a time when my wife and I, she made more money than me. And it was fine that she made more money But when it came time and and she was pregnant, and she said, baby, I I think I'm going to have to just come home for a little while. I want to be with these babies. Well, I'll I'll try to make more, baby. I'll try. She said, but what about the income? No, 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 put it on me. Put the weight on me. I'll initiate. I'll I'll figure this thing out. She said, but what are we going to do? Just let me, just put it on me. Put it on me priest. No, I'm not saying that the guy has to be some theological juggernaut. There's so many women that are just more spiritually inclined. They pray more, they read more. But it shouldn't be that he's, she's got to drag you to church. It shouldn't be that he has, she has to drag you into prayer. If the only verse you knew was I was blind and now I see. Then you live that verse out to the best of your ability and you lead out in what you know. And you say, baby, just put it on me. I know I'm not a big reader. I know I don't pray a lot, but just put it on me. We're going to grow spiritually and I'm going to do everything in my power to make that happen. And you may say, That kind of man is hard to find. I think you're right. I think that is a hard man to find. And here lies a decision we all have to make in life. Compromise or obedience. You say, man, what about the... What about the time in between when I, before I get him, what what do I do? Well, that man is not the first one to initiate in your life. Jesus saw you in all your sin. And you know what he said? Put it on me. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take your sin. How much will he sacrifice for me? Everything my body, everything. I'll give you everything. I'll give you everything. And when we look at the cross, far too often we see this figure of religion. We don't see a relationship of a person giving everything to us, giving his very life to us. And I pray that in the meantime, for those of you that are single, in the meantime, While you wait, while you struggle, while other people end up in a relationship, and even if you're not, in the meantime, until you find your initiator, rest in the one who has initiated. Rest in the one who has died for you. And if you are not certain, if you're not walking in that, you will try to sit in the shade of someone who is not protecting you. And in the same way, dear men, well, actually, I don't even, do I need to talk to men? There's so many women out here, praise God. If you, this, I'm not even going to talk to y'all real quick. Men, you need to look in here because there's a lot of women in here that are single, and this is the first place you need to look. You don't, need to, you don't even need to swipe right, you need to look right. I'm not talking to the men right now. I was like, I need to balance this out. No, I don't. Oh my God. No, but I, it, it has been said that, um, you know, the faithful woman is hard to find, but it is hard to find a faithful man. But, but Bridge Church is raising up faithful men. We are raising up faithful men. And part of that is uh, us getting involved in each other's lives. We're getting ready for a time of communion. And um, as we get ready for that, I want to just share with you briefly that this time of communion is for you to be introspective and to look on the inside. And no matter how many times you've messed this up, there's grace. There's grace. Christ has died for your sin. Jesus was actually betrayed it happened on one night, and he knew he was gonna be betrayed. And he sat at a dinner with all the men that he had been discipling. And just so that they wouldn't look at the cross and forget what it was about, he took a piece of bread. And as he took the bread, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. And he was telling them, I'm about to die for you. My body is gonna be for you. And I want you to look at me like you would look at food, consume me. I want you to be consumed by a relationship with me. And then he took some wine and he said that this wine, oh, it's a cup he had. He said it's it's gonna be poured out like my blood is gonna be poured out for the redemption of your sins. And he was telling these men When you see me bleeding, don't just feel bad for me. Rejoice. Because the consequence of your sin, the guilt and the shame, I'm taking that on your behalf. And so today, as you take the bread and as you take the drink, remind yourself of the glorious gospel of the one who initiated on your behalf. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that we would have this choice moment to come back to you. Come back to you. Let us have this moment to come back to you. Jesus, Jesus, let us come back to you. For every marriage in here, let us hit the reset button. Let there be couples who sit and say, we need to start encouraging one one another even more. For those that are dating, let them say, we need to make sure we're living a life building a foundation of purity. And for those that are single, I need to wait on the Lord. I need to wait on the Lord. Don't let my heart compromise, God. Let me be as I eat this bread. Let me eat this bread, showing a picture of how available you are to me. Let me consume you and not be consumed by this culture. I want to consume you, God. I want to feel an urgency towards your presence and not an urgency towards any other relationship that's not like you. Every person is limited, God. Every person will fail me. And yet, yet God, yet God, I want so badly to be known and connected. Would you heal my heart, Lord? As I eat this bread and drink this wine, would you heal my heart, God? Heal it from all the bruising and the damages. Heal it from the insecurities and the failures. Heal it from the gain, the, 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 the guilt and the shame. Heal it, God. And we ask for your blessing and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll now have the... Um, Connect Team come.